The psalmist describing God, the sovereign Savior, declared, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress. My God, my strength in whom I will trust. My shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you were not only a fortress then, but you are a fortress today to all those who would call upon your name. Thank you that you are our God, our Lord and Savior, and our Father. We thank you for the privilege of coming together to worship and to praise your name. We invite your presence, O oh God, above everything else. We need your presence with us. And those who are watching by the World Wide Web, we ask that your presence would surround them also. Be glorified in our worship. Receive our praises, O oh God. And we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you put your hands together and welcome the worship team? Praise the Lord. Sister Frances gave me that look like, hey, welcome back. Welcome back. It's good to be back. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. It's a rainy day, but we're still going to worship. We're still going to lift up our hands. We're still going to bless the Lord this morning. Is that all right? Hallelujah. Come on, tell your neighbor, forever God is faithful. Hallelujah. Forever God is faithful. Thank you, Jesus. Give thanks to the Lord, our God and King. His love endures forever. For He's good, He is above all things. His love endures forever. Sing praise. Sing praise. With a mighty hand and outstretched arm. His love
you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Yes. Hallelujah. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. Our God is better. Our God is wiser. Our God is bigger. Hallelujah. Shall we exalt him this morning? Water you turn into wine. Open the eyes of the blind. There's no one like you. Yeah, none like. Into the darkness, into the darkness you shine. Oh, out of the ashes we rise. There's no
Oh, oh. 
compelled to lift them up. Come on, we're compelled to say hallelujah. Come on, we're compelled to tell the Lord we love him. When I was writing this song, the Holy Spirit was kept speaking to me about remembering we must never forget what God has done for us. There's always a thought, right, that stays there where you were in a low place and nobody could help you. They may have wanted to, but they couldn't. They couldn't love you like you needed to be loved. They couldn't rescue you like you needed to be rescued. They couldn't give you peace at night like you needed peace. When you remember those moments, and when you remember what God did for you, you are compelled to lift your hands. You are compelled to raise your voice. You are compelled to tell somebody else, come see a man. You are compelled to tell your friend, he touched me. Is anybody compelled this morning? Is anybody compelled this morning? And I'm compelled to lift my hands. And I'm compelled to raise my voice. And I'm compelled to tell the world just who you are to me. Sometimes when you think about your children, what they've been through, how God has delivered them. Sometimes we think about our parents when they've been sick and God has restored them. Sometimes we think about our co-workers and how God has healed them. How God has mended our broken hearts. You can't help but be compelled to lift your hands. And I'm compelled to lift my hand, oh glory. And I'm compelled, oh, to raise my voice, yeah. And I'm compelled to tell the world just who you are to me. Anybody believe that he's that this morning? Oh, and I believe, I believe, you're my Oh, and I believe, I believe, you're more than You 
anything. They terrified us, especially if you're from the islands. But we have this father. He's so gracious. He opens his arms and invites us to come boldly. Would you come together? Let's go before him this morning and let's present our needs. We have some family members who are ill, several of them. As we pray, we want to remember Mrs. Corey, Sister Michelle's mom, who is in the hospital. We want to remember Sydney and Eustace and Hyacinth. These are brothers and sister of brother and sister um, Watts. We want to remember Zola. Then we have some family members who are mourning. We have the Bailey family and we have uh, Sister Gibson who lost her nephew. And maybe there are others of you who are mourning loss. Maybe loss of friends. Maybe you are mourning a personal loss, a recent divorce, a breach with your family members, a loss of employment. Whatever it is today, as we come before the Lord, He is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, truly above all that we can ask or even imagine. So when we pray, let us believe that God will hear and answer. Let's join together in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're God of gods. You're the sovereign Lord. You control everything on earth, in heaven, under the earth. You control the rulers of nations and the nations. And so, Lord, as we come before you, you said the islands are like a drop in the bucket. And we are less than nothing. You're so mighty. Yet you stoop low to love us, to enter into our sphere, and to invite us to join with you, to love you, to have this personal relationship with you. 
thank you for salvation this morning. Thank you, God, that you broke the bars and set us free from the bondage of sin. Thank you that in spite of our troubles, we can praise God because we know we have a living hope. And this here is not the end of it all. So, God, we thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you are willing and obedient to come and to die on Calvary for our sins. We ask you to forgive us our sins, for you will not hear our prayers when, they're, when we have sin in our hearts. And your word says we should get rid of our sins, confess our sins, because you are faithful and just to forgive us from all our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we humbly ask you today, search us, O God. Know us. Let there be no secret sin in our hearts. We ask you to forgive us where we have sinned against you and against one another. Forgive us when we have held malice and grudge in our heart. We've been unforgiving. We release those who have hurt us, Lord. We forgive them because we want you to forgive us. And today, we give you thanks for all your mercy and your goodness. We lift up to you, Lord, family members who are hurting. For you said when one mourns, we should mourn with them. When one rejoices, we should rejoice with them. So we lift up these family members that are ill. Some of them are seriously ill, God. We ask you to intervene right now. Lord, the word says that by your stripes, they are made whole. And so in the name of Jesus, we stand together and we pray that you touch Mrs. Scurry. You would touch Sydney and Eustace and Hyacinth. You would touch Zola. Lord, from the crown of their head to the sole of their feet, you'll minister grace and healing right now. For those who are mourning, we declare that the comforter would come and the comforter would minister peace and grace to their hearts. For those who have lost jobs, Lord, we are asking that you will be the way maker in their lives. You'd open new doors to them, better jobs than they ever had before. You'd connect them to the right organizations and you'd provide in the meantime, Father. We're praying for healing of broken family relationships, breaches between husband and wife and children and children and parents and children. In Jesus' name and the extended family, we declare peace, shalom of God. We invite you to fill our hearts and our homes. We lay aside the war and the division and the strife. And we decide to walk in your peace, oh God. Father, the ones that have just come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, we pray for strength. We pray for courage. We pray that they will desire your sincere word to learn and to grow by it. We pray, Father, that you would strengthen them. You would provide those that would encourage them along the way. Meet every need in their lives. And for those who are here today who have never answered yes to the call of Jesus, never surrendered their lives and made you Lord and Savior of their life, we ask that today as the word of God goes forth, Lord, that you would convict heart of sin, of righteousness, and of the coming judgment. Cause them to know that you love them too much to leave them undisturbed touch hearts today we pray and bring souls into your family again father we thank you for hearing us we lift up those who suffer disaster today in our nation we ask some mercy upon those who are suffering from different things floods and fires and gun wounds and all sorts of disasters oh god we're asking for your help today 
have mercy. Help our nation. We pray for those who lead us, that they would lead in righteousness, in wisdom, in humility, and in, with the grace of God. Cause them to make just laws that we live quiet and peaceable lives. Father, we pray for their salvation in the name of Jesus. And now, Father, we commit the rest of the service to you. We ask you for your special anointing upon your men's servant. Lord, quicken that word to our hearts today and release faith that when we hear your word, we'll respond in obedience. Thank you for hearing and answering our prayers because we ask them in faith, in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. You may be seated. Thank you, worship team. God bless you. Let's give the worship team a big hand for leading us in the presence of the Lord. That was a weak little hand. Okay, come on now. Let's try that again. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. God is good. Even when it's raining and cloudy, God is still very good. Amen? And by the way, the plants need the rain. So I hope you all have your umbrellas and your rain jackets or ponchos because the plants do need the rain. So please don't complain about the rain. The farmers need it. Our lawns need it. Amen? What a beautiful way it looks when the God sends his rain and waters the ground. We're so glad you're in the house of God today. There's no better place to be than worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Are you glad you're in the house of God? Amen. Some of you are not sure. Well, we hope before the service ends, you'll be very sure that it's the best place to be today. And we're glad for those who invited you if this is your first time. Now, if you're visiting for the first time, we have a special welcome we'd like to extend to you. It's our Living Word traditional welcome. And with that, we have a specially prepared packet. And these wonderful deaconesses, our ushers today, would like to hand you one of those packets. So we need to recognize you, and we're going to invite you, if you're visiting for the very first time, would you just stand briefly so you can be recognized and receive the packet? Amen. Thank you so much. As soon as you receive the packet, you may be seated. God bless you. Thank you so much for coming, and now is a great time to open the packet. We have a connection card there. We'd like to connect with you. We promise you we won't be soliciting. We just want to send you a note of thanks in the mail for joining in worship with us. So now is a great time to complete that card. On the reverse side of the card, there's place a prayer request. Maybe you have a specific prayer request or a prayer need. And if you write that there, we promise you that in the week, our intercessors will bear your request up. It's our gift to you today. And um, when we receive the offering, and we'll be bringing up our offering, we're going to invite you to come on up and just drop your completed card in the offering bucket. And at the end of the service, we do have some more instructions to you because we'd like to refresh you before you go. How about those who are visiting for the second or third time today? This is your second or third time. Would you wave at me, please? Amen. We have several. One up here in the front, Sister Mendes. Could you keep your hand up, please, ma'am? Amen. Thank you so much. We have a special card for you. All our second and third time guests, let's give them a big applause. Amen. Thank you for braving the rain and coming on out. The Lord promises to bless you richly. Amen. If you just complete that card too, what it does, it offers you a menu of what we do at the church. Maybe you have an interest in a Christian growth class or water baptism, or you have a question about the ministry. If you complete that, someone will get in touch with you. 
thank you so much again for coming. And for each of you again, we extend God's welcome and blessing that you came out to worship this morning. Do we have breaking news today? Amen. Technology, would you go ahead and give us the breaking news from the LWBC newsroom? Good morning, church. I'm Rebecca. And I'm Brent. Reporting to you live from LWOBC Studios with some breaking news. I'm sure you all know by now, but just a friendly reminder that our church is hosting a missions gala on Friday, April 28, 2017. That's this Friday, which means today is the last day to finalize your tickets. It's being held at the Signature Grand, and it will be an unforgettable night you won't want to miss. Get your tickets today. Don't miss out on the special guests attending. There will be a gate prize, a $500 coupon towards the cruise of your choice. Our annual youth extravaganza will be May 7th at 7 p.m. Tickets will be sold outside after both services. Make sure you come out and support. So don't procrastinate, be great, and get your tickets before the date. Also, we have 50 days of transformation. Sign-ups are still going on outside after service at the small groups table. The Women's Ministry is having a pre-Mother's Day fun ship on the Saturday before Mother's Day, which is May 13th at 4 to 7 p.m. in the Original Sanctuary. Sign up now and join us ladies for a fun and uplifting afternoon. Additionally, the special Mother's Day service is on Sunday, May 14th at both 8 o'clock and 11 o'clock services. Invite some mothers to enjoy Mother's Day in the Lord's presence. That's all we have for today. Thanks for tuning in and, and have, have a blessed day. day. Amen. Amen. Breaking news from Living Word. And I do want to emphasize on the Missions Gala. The Missions Gala is a historic event. We have never had a Missions Gala before. And some of you are missing out. You're going to miss out if you don't get your tickets. We have to give Signature Grant the final numbers tomorrow. Don't call the church on Wednesday. Hello? Today. You can get your tickets. Amen? All right. You're not answering. That means everybody here has a ticket. And the friends who invited their guests has, have tickets. So I'm sorry, Sister Carly. I had to pick on you. Amen. But seriously, though, this is going to be a great event. You're going to get live witness of what God is doing in the lives of um, people who are lost from other nations, other cultures, People are working with them. You don't want to miss out being challenged, being inspired. We have wonderful um, music, great ambience, great food. For the first time, you're going to get what it's called a duet. You're going to get two different meats in your plate for the same price. You don't want to miss out. Do you, if you want to know more, see me after church, okay? I know the full screen. It's going to be wonderful. And it's submissions. Missions. Everybody say missions. Missions. It's part of our 25th anniversary celebration. We're trying to raise funds to pay for a big celebration next year. It's not going in the church coffers. It's going for missions. 25 different missions around the world we're going to be contributing to. You can't afford to miss. We can't be more generous. You have a payment plan if you want to, so nobody has an excuse. We hope to see all the members and friends of Living Word Open Bible Church. Amen? All right. And the children have special prize. So, children, 
Nag your parents. Tell them you don't want to miss the missions gala. You want to be there. Amen. And of course, I want to reinforce the ladies' pre-Mother's Day funship. This is going to be a great evening. We are going to feature our 20s and 30s. We want to love on them especially. So if you know any 20s and 30s young ladies in the church, make sure you grab one of them. We have some special things we want to do to bless them, and we're all going to have fun pampering. So men, get the ladies out of your house that day. Prepare to be babysitting, children keeping, whatever. Send the ladies out and the older girls. Amen. Praise God. We have a special item at this time. Oh, okay. I guess I'm reading wrong. Well, it happens. I never said I was perfect. I just try. Amen. We're going to invite our ushers to come up forward. We're going to be receiving the morning's tithes and offering. And today, the fourth Sunday of the month, we do it what is called Nigerian style. So if you're visiting, this is what it is. We have sent mission teams to Nigeria, and what we notice is that the people are so happy giving. They dance and they laugh and they're smiling because they know that the, the God of the harvest will return what they've given. And actually, Malachi 3.10 says we are to bring all the tithes and the offering in the stores and then to prove God and see if he'll not uh, open the windows of heaven and pours out such a blessing that we don't have room to receive. Um, the ushers will be directing you from the rear of the sanctuary to come up. You will um, come on this side. That's to my left and your right. And then you're going to drop your offering in the bucket or your visitor's card that you have completed. And then you proceed to your seat. So the ushers will be directing the flow of traffic from the rear. If you're making a check, please put LWOBC, make it easy for you. That's Living Word Open Bible Church. Make your life easy. And those who are watching from the World Wide Web, we invite you to do online giving at this time. So I'm going to ask Sister Blair to ask the Lord's blessing on you and on your gift. Thank you, Jesus. Our Father, this morning, we just want to give you thanks and praise, Lord, that you woke up this morning again. God, you have given us another day and another day to praise you. We thank you, Lord, that every good and perfect gift comes from you. You have blessed us, and you provide us for us, oh God, in every way. And as we come and we collect this morning, oh God, the tithes and the offerings, we pray, Lord, that God, that you will open the windows of heaven, pour blessings on your people, that they will not have room to contain. Remember the ones that are in need this morning, oh God, and are lacking. Lord, you are the God of the harvest. You provide. And so, Lord, we just want to thank you this morning for all your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. What can I say unto the Lord? All I have to say is thank you, Lord. What can I say unto the Lord? Can I say unto the Lord? 
comes we want to remind you of the 50 days of transformation again and it's for everybody if you sign up so if you haven't seen your name it's because you didn't sign up so some people are asking about it you're very welcome they'll have continued to sign up today some have started already I've gotten some great reports how wonderful it is so you can sign up you have to sign up but it's available to everyone just go there by the small groups table and sign up. Amen. The baby dedication will occur right at the end of the message. So let's put our hands together and welcome our senior pastor, Reverend Carl Francis, as he brings the word of God. Amen. Praise God. God is good and all the time. Wow, I see the rain wash us out today, didn't it? We, but it didn't wash you out. Praise God. Give yourself a big hand. Amen. Praise God. Thank God for those of you who figure that the rain is not going to stop everything. Well, you know, 50 days of transformation is what we're about. And uh, I'm going to switch mics here in a moment. Um, let's see. Yes. Very good. So, Sister Francis was saying that you have to sign up. Um, we would love everybody to be a part of it. But we need to, for you to sign up because we have to purchase the books. You get a very nice book, a solid book that you keep forever. It's not a paperback book. It's a solid book in the cover, very leather-bound sort of a thing. And so it's a book that you can refer to over and over again. Um, and the reason why we want you to sign up is that the book actually costs $15. And we are selling it to you for $10. So we don't want to have all these books, and then there's nobody to use them. So if you, all you have to do is to sign up, and you'll be placed in a group, in a small group. And if you'd like to host a small group, that's also wonderful. All you have to do to be able to host a small group is the ability to turn on your VCR or whatever you play your DVD on, and the teacher will be Rick Warren. He's going to be teaching us. And then all you do after that is you discuss the things that you've learned. And work together. So you don't have to be a teacher. You don't have to be a leader. Uh, you don't have to be any of those persons in order to host a group. You just have to be willing to open your home and have the ability to play the DVD on a screen, on your TV, or whatever. And then that will be sufficient. So I want to encourage you. Uh, 40, 50 days of transformation. 
So that's what we begin today. And as we begin that today, our key verse is going to be Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. And uh, I'm going to read it for you from another translation. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It says that God does not want us to be conforming, to be nonconformist. He, he wants us to be nonconformist. In other words, he doesn't want us to conform to the pattern of this world, but he wants us to be transformed. Now, the picture I want you to keep in mind during the series uh, is this. How many people remember when you were in school, you had a little glass jar and they made you catch the, put a caterpillar in there? Everybody remember that? And then you, over a period of time, you were supposed to watch the caterpillar change, right? And you saw the changes, and one day you came to class, and in the jar, what do you find? A beautiful butterfly. That caterpillar had been changed into a beautiful butterfly. Well, in a sense today, you and I are caterpillars. And what we're hoping is after 50 days of transformation, we're going to be transformed into beautiful butterflies for God. Amen? And so you're going to be that kind of a transformation. So I want you to bear that in mind. And so we're going to be looking at these things because God created you to be unique. God created you to be unique. He created you with a voice print of your own, an eye print of your own, a thumb print of your own. No one else in the world has what you have like that. You are unique. But we start out as originals, but we become copies because if you don't have a plan for your life, do you know that if you don't have a plan, people plan for you? You don't realize that? If you don't make plans for your life or set a goal, people are going to force you into a mold and you're going to be actually doing and going where they want you to go, doing what they want you to do instead of what God has ordained you to do. So when we're talking about 50 days of transformation, we're going to look at your spiritual health. We're going to look at your physical health. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about your mental health. People talk about stress. We're going to look at your emotional health. People talk about, you know, issues that they're having. We're going to look at your financial health. How you handle money, how you look at money, how you use money. We're going to talk about your vocational work, your, what, what you, how you relate to the job. And we're going to talk about your relationships, which involve marriages and other things like that. All of that is going to be covered in the seven weeks. So we're going to cover seven topics that's going to really look at your life in a comprehensive manner. So, and in those process, what we're going to ask you to do, why you have the book, and why the book is important is that we're going to ask you to set a goal for each of those different things. You're going to set a goal. And we're going to, that's what I want to talk about today. We're going to talk about that goal setting today. Because when we're talking about 50 days of transformation, we are talking about your future. We're talking about the possibilities for you. This is a series about the potential. In other words, making the best of the rest of your life. That's what we want to talk about. Making the best of the rest of your life. And so we're going to give you some reasons today 
why you should set goals. And so that's what this, series, this, this message is about today. Why do you set goals? How do you set good goals? And what you're going to need in order to accomplish what you're going to do. So my purpose today is not to talk about your spiritual health. Today I want to emphasize to you why it is necessary to set the goals when you're in the small groups. And if you're not in the small groups, you can still listen and you can still set some goals. You have a handout. Everybody should have a handout. Everybody does? Okay. Because you're going to be able to complete those handouts on the screen will be the answers. And I'll tell you as you go down, you can fill them in and you'll have that to take with you. And you'll have that as well. So let's pray and ask the Holy Spirit to be your teacher today. Lord, we thank you that you are, your words are life unto those that find them. And literal medicine unto all flesh. Holy Spirit, I ask you to be your teacher. Let me just be an instrument through which you speak. But you take full and complete control. I ask you to give us attentive ears and receptive hearts. And I pray that when we leave this place, we'll begin the transformation process. We'll be determined. We'll be intentional. We would have decided that these are the things that I'm going to do. And many would have signed up to be part of the group. And many would have made a determination that this is going to be the beginning of the best of the rest of my life. We give you thanks. So we ask it in Jesus' name. And all God's people says... Amen. Why are goals important in your life? As we look at 50 days of transformation, our theme verse again I said is Romans 12 and verse 2. Now that it's on the screen, let's read it together again. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, everything begins with a thought. Every action, everything begins with a thought. And so how you and I think, the way we think determines how we behave. My thinking is what determines my behavior. And so we, what the Bible says is that God wants us to rethink, to renew our mind, to think differently. Why does God want us to do that? Well, here's the thing you're going to find out when you begin to read the Bible and get close to God. You begin to realize that God thinks very different from us. God doesn't think like us in a lot of things. In fact, God says in his word, my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. He thinks differently. And so God says for us to function the way he wants us to function and for us to be the kind of person he wants us to be, we have to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Why? Because we come into this world with a sinful nature. We come into this world and what we want to do is the easiest thing to do. And sometimes the easiest thing to do is not the right thing to do. It's hard. Anybody find that it's harder to do the right thing? Am I the only one? You find that it's harder to do the right thing? Isn't it easy to do the wrong thing? So easy. You don't have to make any effort. Without any effort, we do the wrong thing. But to do the right thing... To, to, be, to be kind to somebody takes effort, doesn't it? Especially if somebody's mean to you. Somebody that is mean to you, to be kind to them, you just naturally be kind to somebody who's mean to you? No, it takes effort to be kind to somebody who's mean to you. To do the right thing takes effort. And so, you know, this is what we're talking about. So, to, to, how do we set, so to set the goals, 
I want to tell you why it's important that we need to set goals. So here's the first one. Here's your first feeling. Your first feeling is this. Goal setting is a spiritual responsibility. It is a spiritual responsibility. Why do we say that? Because that's what the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us there's a spiritual responsibility. And we see that in Jesus. We know that God has a goal for the universe. God has a goal for the earth. God has a goal for your life. And he has a goal for my life. And God has set goals. And also we see Jesus had goals. He says, I'm going to go up to Jerusalem now. I'm going to do this. Or he says, I'm going to go over to this and up to Galilee. And he would say he's going to different places to do different things. And he had goals. He says, for the Son of Man have come not to destroy the world, but to save the world. He had a goal when he came. His goal was not to destroy lives, but to save lives. And so God works with goals. And you and I need to work with goals. Paul worked with goals. Listen to Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 to 14. Paul says, I know that I am not yet what God wants me to be. Anybody can identify with that? And then he says, and then he says, I haven't reached the goal. I haven't reached that goal, he says. I haven't reached the goal of being all that God wants me to be. I haven't gotten there either. I haven't gotten to the goal where God wants me to be. All right, so I need to, I'm working on it. But Paul says, but I keep moving toward it to make it mine because Christ made me and saved me for this. I know that I haven't reached my goal, but there's one thing I always do, forgetting the past and straining toward what is ahead, I keep my eyes focused on the goal. So Paul says, here's what he, he said. He said, I have not reached that goal. I have not reached my goal, but I keep my eyes focused on the goal. So you see that Paul was a man who talks about goal. There, so Paul was a man, a goal-oriented person. And we're going to see why it is so important for us to have goal. You see, if you don't have a goal, you're going to live life either by design or by default. Suppose you saw me and you ran into me in Daytona. And you said, Pastor, what are you doing up here? And I said, well, I just felt like driving. So where are you headed? I don't know. I was just driving and just kept driving. So, so I said to you, what, what, what are you doing up here? Well, I'm headed to New York. And I'm supposed to get there in another 16 hours. Now, you know, who has a goal? The person who I'm talking to, right? They know where they're going. They have a plan. They have something established. I'm just drifting through life. Do you know that some people just drift through life like that? They don't really have a goal. And so year after year, they're thinking, you know, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. Five years later, they haven't started it. And then, you know, then they see somebody else, and they see that person go on, progress, and move, and they, that person has gone to another level, and they wonder, how did you get there? Well, that person set some goals for themselves. One of the reasons why when I, I've learned this is that when I do premarital counseling these days, I do ask the couple to give me a five-year plan, their goal. Where do you see your marriage in five years? Where, where, where are you going to be? Because, you know, sometimes what they find out is that one person is thinking, I'm going to go back to school, I'm going to do this, and the other person is thinking, I'm going to start a job, and the man is saying, I think I'm going to start a job, I'm going to start a business, and, I'm, and my wife is going to work in the business, and she's thinking she's going to go to school, and he's thinking he's going to start a business, and he thinks she's going to work for him, and she's thinking something else, and nobody's communicating that, and then, you know, 
When they come together, clash, bam, problem. So I need them to plan a five-year, to give me a five-year plan. Sometimes she's thinking, you know what, I think I need to have a baby in the next year. He's thinking, I don't really need to have any children right now. You know, I don't want any children right now. I don't want any babies. We need to develop and work on a relationship, and we need to do this. And so we're thinking different things. And so it's important that you have a goal, that you're planning towards something. So goal setting is a spiritual activity. So God wants us to set goals. Number two, goal setting, goals are statements of faith. That's your next feeling. Goals are a statement of faith. You know, goals is not just a business, business matter. It is a statement of faith. It's a spiritual habit that you and I need to develop to set goals. And so, when I set a goal, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm really stretching my faith. I'm saying I'm going to believe God for something. One of the goals, uh, you know, that we have here is to grow the congregation even more. And, uh, of course, we worked on that Easter Sunday. We got a lot of people, and then the rain came, and then the people think it's raining. I shouldn't come out. Um, but it doesn't deter my faith. Amen? I still believe. And so we're, belie we're believing. We're going to do that. And so the goal is that we, it's, it's, it's a faith matter. We're going to believe God that he's going to do this. So you, you, you have goals. If you don't have, the Bible says, here's the Bible says, without faith, it is what? impossible to please God. So if you don't have any goals, you're not, you're not, you're not ex exercising your faith. Because the Bible says, whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Did you realize that? Romans 14. Whatever you do when it's not of faith, the Bible says it is sin. So it's important that you set some goals in your life. Ephesians 3 verse 20 tells us, God can do anything. The Bible says he's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, Above all that we ask or even think. Now some people, you know, God doesn't want us to think small because he's a big God. You know, sometimes you have to get out of your little, your little fish pond and get into the ocean, see what's going on. You know, if you never leave where you are, you never know what's going on out in the big world. You know, I was, I was this past week out in the big ocean. I was on Dr. Tony Evans' campus with some of his pastors. And so, you know, that's going into the ocean. You know what I mean? I mean, you know, he has a, his new building is $27 million. So, you know, you know, so, you know, you, you know what I'm talking about. And his first building is probably the same, $20 million. And, and he's on 150 acres. So, you know, that's really getting into the big ocean. So, you, you, get, you get a different perspective when you get into the ocean. And, you, and, and so, how do you get there? How do you get from where he was when he started with eight people in his kitchen to get to 150 acres and to get the size? He had to have some what? Big goals. And he was not afraid to dream. You see, you, you, you see it's not a problem. Of, you know, the Bible says he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or even what? Think. And if you can dream big because you have a big God, you got to dream big. You know, when, when somebody sees certain things and you, you go on certain campuses and you say, how in the world did they? Well, they had to think about it. They didn't get there by not dreaming about it. They could have stayed small if they, didn't, if they just think small. But they think, you know what? I serve a big God. And to serve a big God, you have to think big. But when you think big, you're going to take some risk, you know. You're going to see that as we get into this a little later on. And so that's part of what it is. Goal setting is 
a statement of faith. I'm believing God that he's going to do this for me. And so I want you to know that God wants us to think big because we serve a big God. So the question this morning is, how big is your God? He is a big God. I hope your God is a big God. Is your God a big God? Then think big. Amen? Now, one of the two common mistakes we make when we set goals, we either set them too low or we try to accomplish them too quickly. So, you know, somebody says, oh, you know, I, lose, I, need, to, I need to lose weight. And somebody says, how, how, how much weight are you going to lose? I, I think if I lose 10 ounces, that'll be okay. No, you know, that's not. That's setting a goal too low, right? But if somebody says, and then you, you said, uh, somebody says, I want to lose 10 pounds. You want to lose 10 pounds? That sounds good. How, how, how to, when you, what's the time frame? Well, I hope I can do it in five days. Well, you know, you can't, that's, you can't. It's almost impossible to lose 10 pounds in five days. I know they have all these fad diets that they're talking about on TV, and they can do miracles, it seems, but I don't think you can lose 10 pounds in five days, not in a, in a healthy way. And so the point is that when we set goals, sometimes we set them too low, and sometimes we want to accomplish them too good, too quickly. We have to recognize that God wants us to be able to set goals that are reasonable, goals that make sense. And so I want you to think about that this morning and to recognize that dreaming doesn't cost you anything. When you're dreaming, God doesn't, you know, there's no charge for dreaming. And you can dream, and because of the God you serve, you can dream big about the goals you're going to set in. One of the things that I'm concerned about is as we think about this church and where we're going, is the elderly. I found out, the more I deal with the elderly, that when you get to a certain age in this country, the government is no help. I don't know if you realize that. You need to recognize that, I don't know if you've learned that yet, but I want to tell you what, what, what the news is. When you get to a certain age in this country, and if you don't have anybody to help you, if you have more than $2,000 in value, the government cannot help you. You have to be a pauper in order to get help. If you own anything, they take it from you. And then they help you. You have to sign over everything you own. I, I, I know this is truth. I, I've been dealing with seniors on this issue. And so that's a concern of mine. I think that we need to find a better way to deal with our seniors, to help our seniors. And that's something as a church that we want to look at and how we can do. That's a goal I want to work at. And one of these things I want to work at is to be able to, how can we be able to find a way to help seniors who sometimes families abandon. Sometimes families abandon them. And they don't have any families to really take care of them. What happens to them then? I don't think the church can turn a blind eye on them. And so that's something that we are looking at and something that we want to work towards. So it's a concern of mine. And so we need to be, these are some, these are some goals that we as a church are focusing on and looking at. So I want you to help me with dreaming in those things and praying that God will work them out. The Bible says in Matthew 9, 29, according to your faith, it will be done for you. So great faith will bring great transformation. Now, here's a third thing that goals does for you. Goals focus my energy. When I have a goal, it's going to focus my energy. I'm going to be concentrating on Paul says, this one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forth to those things that are before. When you set a goal, you can focus your energy. If you set yourself and says, I'm going to get my, my master's or my bachelor's 
in three years' time. That's setting a goal. And you're going to focus your energy. When somebody comes to you and says, you know, can you, I need you to go over here. and do it. They say, no, 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 I got homework to do. And somebody has come and says, you know, can you follow me to go over there? He says, I'm, I would love to, but I can't because I have to turn in this paper. Your energies are focused when you set yourself goals. And that's why goal setting is important. We need to set goals because goals focus our energy. You remember when in school you would have the magnifying glass and you would take the magnifying glass and hold it in the sun? Did you do that in school? And then you have the focus the light and the piece of paper and it will burn a hole in the paper? Because the light now, instead of being diffused, is focused. And when it is focused, it, is in, it, it has intense power. That's what laser beam is all about. That's why when you go for laser surgery, it is the light being so intensely focused that it is able to penetrate and do exactly what it's doing. Well, that's what folk goals do for us. It causes us to be focused just the way we should be. And that's a very important thing. And then the third, fourth thing is that, and so the scripture that goes to that, 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 26, where Paul says, I do not run without a goal. I fight like a boxer who is hitting something, not just the air. All right. Here's the third, the fourth thing for goal. Goals keep me going. When I have a goal, I'm, I, I keep going because I'm working towards something. I have something to work towards. In other words, remember I'm talking about the person I ran into in, in Daytona? They have a goal. They were heading to New York. And guess what? They're going to keep going. Now, when I got to Daytona and they said, where are you going? They said, I'm not sure. I may say, you know what? I might as well just turn back. So I may turn my car and turn back because I wasn't driving anywhere. I wasn't going anywhere. There was no specific reason for me going. I was just driving and I kept driving. But when you have a goal, you are working towards something. It keeps you going. And that's why, that's why we need goals in our lives. We need, you need to have a, you and I need to have goals for our lives, our plan. What's, my, what's your five-year plan? What's your goal for retirement? Amen. What's your financial goal for retirement? You know, do you have a financial goal for retirement? And it's not too early to start thinking about it. Because so you have to start thinking about it. And if you start putting away something early, maybe, you know, sometimes people think, well, I can't do anything. Well, you can do something. As a little bit, you know, there are ways that you can put a small thing away and watch it grow. You just leave it. You know, the way to do it, you, you, you go down to the bank, you tell them you want to open an IRA, you can start with $25 if you want to. And you can put something in it every month. And every month you put the $25 into it. And, and then you tell them, I want to buy some stocks with it, and they'll buy it for you, and you just keep, keep doing it, adding more, adding more, until you're able to buy some more stock, and just leave it alone and watch it, and you'll be shocked in 10 years or 5 years, You'll be amazing to see what happens. But you have to have a goal. You need a goal. You need to set yourself a goal. So the goal is important. So that's what we need. We need to be able. And the goal keeps me going. You know, they did a study on the Holocaust survivors. In World War II, you know that the Nazi killed 6 million Jews among other people. Christians, Muslims, and gays. They killed them all. And they put them to death in, into death camps. They discovered that there was one thing common about all those who survived the Holocaust. One thing common about all of them. 
they all had something to look forward to. Some of them had a relative outside, a spouse that they were hoping to come back to. Some had children that they were hoping to come back to. Some had other things, that, but they were, there, was, there was hope. They were hoping to come back to something. And that hope, that goal of getting back out and be reuniting with that person kept them going and kept them alive. Others who had no relatives, they didn't know where they were, they didn't know if there was anybody, they didn't know of anything, they died in the Holocaust. They just died. You can die, you know, they said you can go four days without food. You can go three days without water. You can go eight minutes without air. But you can't go 30 seconds without hope. You know, that's why doctors who are going to perform surgery, if, they, if, the, if the patient doesn't have any hope, the chance of survival is very little. The patient has to have hope. And so hope is a very important thing. That's why your goal is an important thing. You know, when an elderly is by themselves, if an elderly person living by themselves, it's always recommended that they, they give them like a plant or something. Because as you start, every day you have to get up and water the plant. And you got to get up and notice it and see, you know, and maybe you want to put a little fertilizer around it. And maybe you want to trim the plant. The activity of keeping that thing alive keeps you going. Gives you hope. You have a purpose for living. And it gives you the hope. Hope is a very important thing. And that's why goals are so important. Because goals will keep you going. Amen? Now, one of the things about the goals, though, is that when we set goals, sometimes we fail. But you know, in failure is the only way you get to succeed. You know, if you don't, all of us have made, all of us have made mistakes. Isn't that true? All of us have failed at something. We've, we've, we've blown it on something at some time. But you know, failure doesn't mean that you should quit. When you have setbacks, those are ways that you learn not to do something. And so, you know, in the bank business, if you were going to be a, if they were going to promote you to be a head of a department, a lending department, you could never be a head of a lending department if you've never had a bad loan. You've had to have made a bad loan. Because if you've never made a bad loan, you have no idea what failure is like and how to handle failure. And so it is that because everybody's going to fail sometimes. Everybody's going to make a mistake, but we can learn from it. You see, we are in this place, and it's lit, and you look at those bulbs there. Do you know who made, who discovered the bulb? Thomas Edison. He was the one who created that and, and, and discovered and made the bulb so we can have light. Do you know how many times he tried? He tried 1,000 times, and they said to Thomas Edison, why are you doing this? Don't you see? Give up. He says, no, I found a thousand ways not to do it. A thousand ways not to do it. How not to do it. A thousand ways how not to do it. He didn't give up. He kept going, and guess what? He made a discovery, and we now have light. You see, my friend, failure or is a setback doesn't mean that you give up. You keep on going. You know, we, there, 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 there are going to be times when you will make a mistake or you're not going to get that what you want, but it doesn't mean that you stop. You keep pressing on and you keep working on it. So if you miss your goal, you are going to, if you miss your goal of what you set for three months, you don't say, well, oh, you know, well, I, I, I plan to lose 
five pounds in three months. I, I, I didn't lose. I only lose half a pound. It doesn't make sense. No, no, no. You reset the goal again. You don't give up. You set your goal again. And you, you keep on going. And you keep on working on it until you get there. And that's what we need to do. We need to persevere. We need to press on. And so your goal is important. And then the fifth thing that goal does for us is that goals build my character. Goals build my character. God is more interested in building our character than he is interested in our performance. He's more interested in building our character than he is interested in our accomplishments. You know, there is no doubt that we don't like, nobody likes to have disagreements or nobody likes to have things not flowing easily. And so some people avoid groups and avoid things because they say, I don't want to get into anything. You know, but as soon as you start rubbing close to people, you're going to have issues. Did you know that? And then, but when you have those issues, it is that God wants to rub you down. You know, if God wants to build our character, he's going to bring somebody in your life or somebody close to you or somebody with you or somebody near you, whether it's on the job or somebody, to rub against you and you're going to feel uneasy. You cannot build your character with everything going easy. Character building is not built that way. You know, there was a, there was a, there was a time in New England when they would send the codfish um, to California. And when it got to California, the codfish didn't taste as well. They tried sending it in natural water. They tried sending it in salt water. They tried many ways of sending it. So they tried to send it live so that by the time they get there, they would think that it would, be, it would just be, the taste would be good. All that they did, because of the distance from New England all the way to California, that long distance, by the time it gets to California, somehow the catfish didn't taste the same way. I mean, I mean the codfish, sorry. So what they did was, they added the catfish, who is the enemy of the codfish. They put the enemy of the codfish in the tank. And what, the, what happened? The catfish would chase the codfish all the way from New England to California, chasing the codfish, chasing the codfish. Can I tell you, when the codfish got to California, the codfish tastes as fresh as if they just took it out of the ocean in New England. Because of having to be going up and down, avoiding the enemy back and forth, it was building its muscles and making it more what in its natural habitat. But that's what God does. Somebody has, God puts a catfish in your life. And he's going to put a catfish in your life. And it's going to build your character. And you're going to think about, oh God, why did they put me to this job? I can't, I mean, this person, they transferred me to this department. And from the time I got into this department, all I have is problem with this person. And I got to tell you, and you know, you, 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 you know, and, you, and God, God's building. He put a catfish in your life. And that catfish is to build your character. Because you see, I'm telling you, God is, here's, do you understand, guys, that when we get to heaven, we're going to be just as we are. So, we're, gonna, we're not going to change color when we get to heaven, you know. 
Revelation chapter 7 tells us that. He says, I see a multitude of people, tribe, nations, kingdom. How do you see that see all these different people? Because they're all different colors, they're different nations. We're going to be the same as we are. But the thing about it is that God's going to build our character here because heaven can't take bad character. Heaven doesn't take bad attitudes. Heaven doesn't take people with envy. Heaven doesn't take people with jealousy. Heaven doesn't take people with an unforgiving spirit. So he's got to work out all of that here before we get up there. And if it means on the job, off the job. In the church, out the church. In the small group, out of the small group. Wherever you are, if you're asking God to, Lord, make me more like Christ, can I tell you, he's going to add a catfish to your life. I don't know who's your catfish today. Sometimes I'm going to be that catfish. Hello? <laughs> and sometimes you are my catfish. <laughs> but the point of the matter is that God's going to have a catfish because what he's concerned about is building character. That's what God's concerned about, building our character. Much more than, and goals help us to build character. Because when we are setting those goals, uh, we're going to see what God's working out in us. Paul says in Philippians 3, self, I keep striving toward the goal. Striving. It takes energy. It takes effort. It takes intention. You cannot become the woman of God or the man of God that God wants without intention. There has to be intentionality. And then number six, the f number six on your paper, goal, good goals will be rewarded. Good goals will be rewarded. The Bible tells us that. It says that in Proverbs eleven twenty seven. If your goals are good, you will be respected. If your goals are good, you will be respected. There are two ways you're going to get rewards of goal. People are going to reward you here, and you're going to be rewarded in heaven. So if your goals are good, you will be respected. Now think about Martin Luther King Jr. He is, we have a whole day in January dedicated to him. Why? Because his goals were good. His goal was not about greed. His goal was not about envy. His goal was not about himself. His goal was not about pleasure. His goal was not about popularity. His goal was to fight injustice and to fight prejudice and fight racism and to fight for truth. And because of that, a whole day is set aside for him. He is respected. That's what the Bible says. If your goals are good, you will be respected. So you need good goals. So if we need good goals... The question we need to ask ourselves now is, how do we set good goals? Well, in order to set good goals, you have to answer three questions. Three questions. And I'm going to give you that. You have to answer three questions, and you're going to fill that in. Here's the first question you have to answer is, if you're going to set good goals, is, will it honor God? In other words, what kind of goal does God bless? A goal that honors God. What does the Bible say? You know what the Bible says? The Bible says when you eat or drink or do anything, do it to the honor of God. Whatever you do, the Bible says, anything you're doing must bring glory to God. You know, when I tell couples that marriage was not designed to make you happy, they thought of what? That's the first shock. It wasn't designed to make you happy. That's why a lot of people have divorced. They have the wrong idea why they thought they were married. Marriage was not designed to make you happy, period. 
It was designed to bring glory to God. However, when you do it God's way, you become, happiness comes out of it. Now that's the whole thing with God. You know, when you do it His way, things turn out the way you and I want it. We want to start with happiness, and God says, no, no, don't start with happiness. Start with bringing me glory. When you bring me glory, I will make you happy. So when you do things to bring me glory, happiness will come out of it. But if you start on making yourself happy, you're going to be selfish. Do you know that if you start a marriage and you focus on making yourself happy, all you're going to think about, what are you doing for me? And if the other person says, what are you doing for me? And if both people are looking and say, what are you doing for me? What are you doing for me? Well, why don't you do for me first? No, no, why don't you do for me first? Then I'll tell you, we're going to have a problem, right? But if, my mar if, I'm, if I'm focused to bring glory to God, and God says, I must love my wife as, he loved the, as Christ loved the church, I must cherish her, I must honor her, I must treat her as myself. I, in Bible says, no man ever hates his body, but he nourishes it and cherishes it. If I treat my wife that way, and then the Bible says, wives, honor your husbands, love them, respect them, and treat them in that way. If she does that and I do my part, can I tell you? We're going to have a wonderful relationship. So, it, it's to bring God glory. So everything we do, we need to say, it, will this glorify God? And so that's the first thing. That's the first question we have to ask. Will it bring glory to God? And then the second question we need to ask is, is it motivated by love? Because the Bible says, everything you do must be done with love. Now, you know, you remember when the lawyer asked Jesus in the Bible, which is the greatest commandment? Jesus says, love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And then he says, the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now here's the issue. So let's see if you can help me out with this now. Who comes first? Huh? God. Who comes second? Your neighbor. And then you come what? Third. How do we live? What order do we use? <laughs> you, you, you know the answer to that, right? You know. And if we do it in the right order, the way God has ordained it, your life will be a blessing. See, God has to be first. You know, someone was talking about, I just learned the other day, uh, Tony Evans was explaining something about baseball. I, I used to watch baseball, but I never understood it. I, I know, I, I, no, correction. I saw baseball one time, and I never understood it, and I will never really watch it again. Because I don't, it's, it's, I, I don't know why it wasn't, I, I wasn't attracted to baseball. It's, it is American Pat number one sport, I think. Not anymore. NASCAR is now number one. If you didn't know that, it makes more money than all the other sports. Uh, racing, drag racing and those things. So anyhow, that's not a different point. The point of the matter is this, is that I learned that with baseball, you start at home plate. Is that right? And the objective is to go around and come back to home. What if I run from home and run to second base, then third base, 
and come back home. What happens? Zero wasted effort. It doesn't matter how long I took to get from second base to third base to home. The problem is I skipped what? First base. If I did everything else and missed first base, I have a problem. In other words, even though I covered all the other bases, I must go to first base. Now here's another thing. What if I ran to second base, then to first base, then to third base, and then to home? What happens? What do I get? Zilch again. Why? Because I did it in the wrong order. First base must always be what? First. And I cannot skip first base. If I skip first base, everything else means nothing. That's the same thing. What does the Bible say? Seek ye what? First what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness and what? All other things will be added to you. The all other things cannot be added if you skip first base. Everybody is looking for all the other things to be added, but people are going to second base and third base, and when things don't work out, they try to come back to first base, and they still don't get anything. Why? Because you didn't put first base what? First. God's on first base, my friend. God's on first base. God has to be first in our lives. We are missing it if we don't put God first. We hold ourselves back when we don't put God first. We want, you know, it's children of Israel had the same problem that most people have today. They blame God when he's not blessing them and when he's not blessing them because he, you're not, they're not following his order. They want to tell God how he should operate. No, we can't tell God how to operate. God has an order. And, he's, and the order, he's, he says, on those two commandments hang the whole Bible. Everything revolves around loving God first, loving your neighbor as yourself. And can I tell you? Let me show you something. When you love God first, that's first base. When you love your neighbor, that's second base. And when you love your, and then after yourself, that's third base, you can come home. But if you don't do it in that order, you're wondering why things are not working out. So you know what that means? you got to love your neighbor. We have to love our neighbor. you got to love the person beside you. you got to love the person in front of you. you got to love the person behind you. You have to learn to love your neighbor. Because if we don't love our neighbor, we are going to second base and third base and going home and we're skipping first base. Or we go to first base and skip second base and go to third base and come home and we're still not getting where. Because God says you got to follow first, second, third, home. First God. Second, your neighbor, then yourself, then you can come home and you get your blessing. Here's another thing about it. Why you must love your neighbor first. Look at this. We talked about the law of the harvest. If I want kindness, what do we say we need to do? Show kindness. If I want love, what am I supposed to do? So who am I going to sow it to? My neighbor. So the, the thing that I really want first, the thing that I want, if I want it, I have to what? Sow it. I sow it first. 
When I sow it to my neighbor, then I become a recipient because there's a harvest for me to reap. If I don't sow kindness to my neighbor, if I don't sow kindness to my neighbor, I haven't sown anything, I can't reap anything. There'll be no harvest. So I'm looking for kindness, but nobody's being kind to me because what? I have not been kind to anybody. I've not been sowing kindness, but I'm expecting kindness. It's like going out into your yard. You don't plant any, any, any tomatoes, but you want to, where are my tomatoes? Where are my tomatoes? I want to cook some tomatoes. Where are the tomatoes? Somebody said, did you plant tomatoes? No, 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 I just don't want to plant tomatoes, but they should be out here. Well, they can't be out there if you didn't plant them. So we're looking for kindness. People need to be kind to me. Nobody's kind to me. Nobody's kind to me. Nobody's kind to me. Everybody's mean to me. And then we go, we go talk. Nobody's kind. Well, let me ask you. How many people are you kind to? You have to sow the kindness in order to reap kindness. So the principle works, right? God knows what he's doing. All right. So when you want to know if you, what your goal is good, is it motivated by, is it, is it, will it bring honor to God? Is it motivated by love? And number three, is it, will it require depending on God? Will it require depending on God? We plan, the Bible says, the way we want to live, but only God makes us able to live it. Listen to that again. Proverbs 16, 9. We plan the way we want to live, but only God makes us able to live it. Wow. Only God can make us able to live it. I got to tell you, my friends, I have come to this conclusion with every atom in my body that absolutely nothing good, no progress, no benefit, no blessing comes without God. You and I don't need to take any praise for anything good. It's all Him. I am absolutely 100% convinced from reading the Bible. You know, we were talking about some things in the couples class. I mean, it's amazing when you begin to read about it and begin to look at what it says. And you see how God operates. That he is in control of everything. No matter what you see happening in your life, God is allowing it for a reason. You are not here today by accident. I am not preaching this message by accident. You are here today by design. This message being preached today on this day of 23rd of April 2017 by design. There's a reason why God's allowing it. There's a reason why you came here today and you're hearing about goal setting. Importance of setting a goal for your life. What goals do, what, 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 why it's important to set some goals. How to set good goals. What kind of goals would God bless? God will bless goals that are not, not based on greed. Not based on envy. Not based on being better than somebody else. It is a goal that will bring honor to God. It's a goal that is motivated by love. And it's a goal that will require depending on God. I must believe that God is able to do it. That's why you need to set big goals. Goals that only God can fulfill. That when you, you're saying... The only way this can be done is God does it. If you set a goal that you can easily accomplish, what's the big deal? You need a goal when you set it. If God doesn't do it, it can't be done. That's a faith goal. 
That's a goal of faith you believe in. And my friends, you can't make, you can't make profit without risk. Did you know that? There are people that take their money and they put it in the bank and they get half a percent interest on it. And it's safe. And they know it's there. And then somebody take the $1,000 and they went down to the bank and they bought some stocks. And they went into the stock market and it's risky. And after, after three years, that 1000 became 5000 After three years, the 1000 in the bank became $1,001.10. At the rate that they're giving the interest today. Interest rate on 1000 is in pennies. But that person got 5000 from the 1000 because they took what? Risk. You got to be able to take risk. So when you set goals, you don't set goals that are just so safe. I can easily make it. And so, you know, that, that. no, no. You have to set goals of faith. Where you you got to believe God. You got to take a risk. Do you, anybody ever used to climb mango trees? Somebody said I always bring up mangoes. One lady told me, she said, you mentioned the mangoes again this morning. So I'm always using mango trees. So you know, you know, you know what? Because you, you, I don't climb the other trees, you see? <laughs> so you climb the mango tree. You ever climb a mango tree and you hold on to the branch here? And you're stepping out on a limb? Where, where is the fruit? The fruit is at the end of the limb. It's not near the, the, the trunk, right? To get to that, and you see this lovely East Indian. And it's just... It's just that you and your seat so fat and nice. You say, I got to get this. You got to take some risk, right? That's what it is. Goal setting is taking risk. And if you set a safe goal, then, you know, it's like, you know, oh, some people, oh, I, 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 I said, you know, they just stay on the ground. I only pick the ones I can reach. When the, when the ones on the ground finish and you climb the tree, step out on the limb, and so they said, can you give me some of yours? Now you took the risk and took all that mango, and they just want to stay on the ground and watch you. Are you all right up there? Hold on tight. Encouragement, I guess. You know, you got to take some risk, right? So when you're setting goals, don't set some goal, set goals that only God can do. Because then you're setting your belief in God. It's a faith goal. You're believing that God is going to do this. Because here's the thing you need to learn about God. He likes when you depend on Him. He does not like it when you depend on yourself. That is totally, that is totally anti the way we were raised. Because the way we are raised is self-reliance. We can't wait for that child to be potty trained. We want to get rid of them as quickly as possible, get potty trained so you, you, can, go to, you can do yourself. I don't want to have to be, a, and, and we want a child to grow up, and then as they grow up, they say, push them out. Isn't that, you know, we, and, and the world says, stand on your own. Pull up your own bootstrings. And everything the world teaches us is, you need to be strong. You need to stand on your own. You need to bear your own self. You need to, you need to, you need to this. And it's amazing. And God, you come to God and God says, you must depend on me for everything. You see why we have to be transformed by the what? Renew the mind. 
Because we've always been taught to be self-reliant. Now we've got to become self-dependent. You know, there's a, in, in school, I remember doing this study. In biology, we used to study parasites. You remember parasites? And you used to study how the parasites, the parasite doesn't provide any food of its own. Guess what the parasite does? It sucks its nutrient from the plant that it is on. And it only gets its life from the other plant. And every source of life comes from the other plant. It sucks it out. Can you imagine that God wants us to be parasites? In other words, he is our only source. We don't have another source for life, for living, for anything but him. So you know what the Bible says? In him we live and breathe and move and have our being. In him. In him we live and breathe and move and have our being. Without him we can do nothing. Everything God is saying, I want you to depend on me. Look to me. Trust me. Lean on me. Let me be the one in, be the leader. That's why the Bible says, seek his kingdom first. I was explaining to them what this kingdom thing was about. Uh, because I became one of those uh, kingdom pastors for, with Tony Evans. And the way they define this is this. It says that kingdom persons must be the visible manifestation of the supreme rule of God over every area of your life. In other words, it must be visible, it must be manifested, and people can see. So when somebody looks at you, and they look at your life, and they look at how you live, and they listen to how you talk, and they listen to what, and they see what you do, they can say, that person has God first. It's not just something we talk about. It must be a visible manifestation of the supreme rule of God over every area of your life. So when you talk about seeking the kingdom of God first, that's, that's, what, that's what it means. Does God have supreme rule and control over every area of my life? When he does, all other things will be added unto you. That's how it comes. We are trying to do it the other way around. We're trying to put the cart before the horse. And it's not working out. The way to make to work out is the horse must go before the cart. The rule of God is first. He must be in control of my life first. He has supreme authority. He determines what I do. He determines where I go. He determines what I say. He is my, I, in all my ways, I acknowledge him. And he is going to what? Direct my path. Lean not on your own understanding. That's what the Bible says. Don't lean on your own understanding. We have faulty understanding, brethren. I was, I was using my GPS this week in Texas as I was driving, and I was, after a while, I stopped using it, and I said, wow, what, what amazing thing with knowledge does, eh? First day or first couple of days, I had to use the GPS because I didn't know the way. Once I learned the way, I could turn off the GPS. Now I knew. And I'm saying to myself, 
What an amazing thing knowledge is or understanding. Now that I understood to how to get to where I'm going, I don't need it. The first day, I was very nervous because there were so many highways and so many things. And it's saying, go east on 67. Then take there to the left and go over here. And when I turned on the left, there were two lanes. One going this way, one going that way. And I'm trying to figure which one they don't want me to take. And I'm going to look for some signs. And I, I, took, I took this one. It says, reroute, reroute. Make a U-turn at so-and-so. Make a U-turn at so-and-so. Then I got to make a U-turn and come back around. And then it should have been the other one. You know, and so, you know, that's, you know, we make mistakes. We don't know the way. As good as we think we are, we don't know about tomorrow. We don't know about next week. We don't know about next month. We don't know about next year. We need him. Amen? So here's what we do as we close. He says there are three things that we need in order to get through. We need the Spirit of God to empower us. Zechariah 4 and verse 6. It says, You will not succeed by your own strength or power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. You can't succeed by your own strength or power. We need the Spirit of God to empower us. And then secondly, we need God's Word to guide us. That's what the Bible tells us in Joshua. When he spoke to Joshua, he says, Joshua, if you will meditate on my words day and night and turn not to the right nor to the left, but in all and follow it and follow, then you shall make your way prosperous. Then you shall have good success. If he meditates on the word, we need the word of God to guide us. And finally, we need people to support us. That's why the small groups. That's why we're asking you to sign up in small groups. You're going to need other people to help you. It's very difficult to, to be successful on your own. Successful people are not afraid to allow other people to help them. Successful people don't worry that other people will get some credit. Successful people are willing to bring other people in. You want to succeed? Then allow other people to support you. Depend on the Spirit of God because you cannot do it on your own power. And look to His Word for guidance. The Word of God will guide us. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for those who have already signed up for the 50 days of transformation. We thank you for those who have taken the courage to open their homes. We thank you for them and we know that you'll bless them for taking that step. We thank you for those who have already signed up. We thank you for those who will sign up, who will recognize the importance of being transformed in their physical life, their spiritual life, their emotional life, their mental life, their financial health, and, and that their vocational health and their relational health, that all these seven areas of their lives, they want to set some goals. We thank you today that you are letting us know that goals are important, that we need goals. Because if we don't have goals, we are going to live our lives by default rather than by design. So Holy Spirit, let no one leave the way they came today. 
But we pray that the Spirit of God would speak. To those watching us by the World Wide Web, we pray that the Holy Spirit would speak to them as well. That you would, they would also set goals for their lives, recognizing that you're a God who established goals. It is a spiritual responsibility. It focuses our energy. It keeps us going. There are statements of faith. Oh God, help us to grasp, we pray. And I pray at the end of the 50 days that we will be a beautiful people. We would be like caterpillars that become beautiful butterflies because of the change in our lives. So we thank you, for we ask it in Jesus' name. And all God's people says, Amen. We're going to dedicate a baby at this time, and we have the pleasure of doing that. We're going to ask the Moss family to come. We have dad, Tyrone, and mom, Karen. And we're going to dedicate Titan. And uh, as we do so, I want to read a passage of scripture taken from Mark as he was reporting what Jesus did. It says, I put it in your translation so you can follow. The godparents are coming as well. Then they brought the children to him that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked those who brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased and said to them, Let the little children come to me, and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. And he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. I think I remember when Karen was a little bit And here she is now bringing a little one. Another little one. Isn't it wonderful? Children are a blessing, you know. They are a blessing. I've been getting, uh, Titan and I have been having some communication outside. We had some talk last week so that he already knows my voice and he likes my glasses and everything. So we are, we are anticipating our, our fellowship. Amen. And so it's a blessing to have children. And Jesus was brought into the temple to be blessed. And uh, we're going to ask God's blessing on Titan in a moment. But before we do, we want to thank the Lord for all of you that will stand in support of this family. Uncles, grandmother, and uh, yeah, grandma is already. And uh, friends and family, good to have you. So they are here to stand in support. That means you can call on them for babysitting. Oh, you have, you have Deshauna right there. She's, she, she knows how to do that a lot. Oh, Auntie Andrea, yeah, she's taking pictures. They can, they can link up. They link up together. So let's pray for you first. Amen? Father, we thank you for this family and the friends who have come today to bring Titan to be blessed. Lord, we ask you to remember them. They will need all the wisdom to raise this child in this world. They will need your grace 
they will need your understanding. Oh God, we place them in your hands that you would watch over them, that you will provide for them, that they will provide adequately for this child. Give them understanding, Lord, how to raise Titan in the way that you have fashioned him, that he's a unique person, that he's not a carbon copy of another child, that he has his own ways. You've wired him differently. May they so raise him according to how you've wired him. Give them wisdom to do this. So we, we place them in your hands and we thank you for what will happen in Jesus' name. Now, here comes my friend. You remember me? Yeah. You remember we had some discussion outside last week? Did you remember a conversation? We talked about it. And we said this week, you and I are going to be up on stage. And you remember what we said? Uh, you, you remember I was playing fun with you, right? You waited for me to do that? We're going to do it. Let's do it after the service, right? Is that okay? But to, right now, we're going to bless you. He's so serious about that. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Titan, Chase Moss. He's no accident. He's by design. He's unique. You sent him on a mission. He has a purpose. And there's a plan for his life. You have goals for him, God. And we pray that Titan will be raised to accomplish the purpose of God for his life. That one day, Lord, when he stands before you, he will be, he'll not have to hold his head down, but he'll hold his head up because he will hear you say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. So Lord, I ask you now to bless him. Oh, that the Lord would bless you indeed and enlarge your territory. That his hand would be with you. That he would keep you from evil. May you not cause pain. Lord, we ask your divine protection over him. Your covering. Watch over him, Lord. May he be a warrior in the kingdom of God. And Lord, let his light so shine before men. That they may see his good works and glorify you in heaven. So tighten today. We anoint you with oil as we dedicate you in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Be blessed of God. We'll talk afterwards, right? He's a serious brother. Blessings on you. Congratulations. Amen. All right, Dad, I'll, 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 let me just do this, sign this, and then I'll give it to you. Congrats, Dad. Blessings. Congratulations again. Let's give him a hand as they return. Praise God. <laughs> He's ready for another blessing. <laughs> he says, where's mine? That's all right. You want to be blessed? Amen. Let's all stand together. Praise God. So if you haven't had a chance to sign up for the small group, everybody's welcome. We want the entire church to be a part of it. We'll order books, more books if we need to. We have, we have some excess. We have additional books right now for those who haven't signed up yet. And uh, if you'd like to have your open your home, there's somebody outside who will be able to write and record for you and 
will get to get going. And don't forget to establish your goals every week when you meet in your goal page in your book. You want to write down the goal that you're going to achieve. If you have not yet settled about the banquet tickets, you need to see Sister Reynolds outside and uh, or somebody else. I'm sure somebody's out there regarding the banquet tickets. And uh, the banquet is this Friday, believe it or not. It's right here now. It's this Friday. It promises to be a great time. Missions Gala, we call it. But some people want me to refer to it as a banquet. Because when I say Missions Gala, some people say, Pastor, are we having a banquet this year? Well, it's one, one and the same. Amen? So, so you know, it's, it's going to be wonderful. We have some great things lined up for you. Uh, you don't want to miss it. Great prizes. By the way, I just saw a cruise that was costing the same amount that we're giving you. There's a, you, you. Some people didn't realize you can actually pay for a cruise with the $500. It all depends on where you're going. You know, it's not a seven-day cruise, but it's a cruise nevertheless. You can get to the Bahamas and back and so forth. So if you want to get a cruise, you can use it. That's the gate price, the $500 cruise coupon we're giving you. Because we didn't want to limit you. If you wanted to take a longer cruise and you just want to apply that towards it, that's why we didn't buy you a specific cruise. So we made it flexible so that you can go on any cruise you want and you just apply the $500 worth of coupon to buy the cruise that, of your choice. So it's a great opportunity for you to. There'll be other prizes and surprises as well. We'll have some live missionaries there. Some will be by video, but some are going to be there to get the stories. It's going to be a great evening. And if you've never been to one of those, you don't want to miss out. And uh, still not too late to get tickets. They're available outside. And uh, you just want to make connections with them or your family captain. All right? First time guests, if you're for the first time, we have two beautiful young ladies at the back. They will escort you to our hospitality suite where you'll be refreshed before you leave. So please, those invited them, you want to escort them along to those young ladies when we say the benediction. All right. Let's raise our hand as we pronounce the benediction. We're glad you came and you, despite the weather, you are here. We want to leave a special blessing on you. Father, we thank you for these that are here today. We ask you to give them a special blessing. And our first-time guests, Lord, bless them especially today. We pray that they will leave with an additional blessing from heaven. So, Lord, we just commend them to you now. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace as together we say, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. Our first time guests, if you slip out first, and then you'll see these two beautiful young